Hello everybody, it is Michael here back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. I appreciate you guys' support on the show. I hope you all enjoyed your holidays. Uh, I didn't end up recording on Christmas. Wanted to wait for the Christmas games to happen and just wanted to spend time uh, with family. We got a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. Uh, regular season basketball is back. Christmas Day games were definitely disappointing, but there's still some takeaways I have from them that I do want to discuss. So yeah, let's get right into the episode. First team I want to talk about that has really been standing out to me and to everybody is the Brooklyn Nets. They are now 2-0. In the first game, they absolutely blew out out the Golden State Warriors, where both of their star players played very well. Kevin Durant had an efficient 22 points, as well as Kyrie Irving getting 26 in there for assists as well. And I'm just so impressed by the fluidity of this Brooklyn Nets offense. Like uh, I knew just because of the top-tier talent that they have on the offensive side of the ball that their offense was going to be good regardless, but it is so impressive to me the ball movement on the steam the ball is never sticking because even when there's a Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving ISO it's not like a James Harden ISO where everyone's clearing out and they're taking 10 seconds off the shot clock especially with Kevin Durant he just scores so efficiently because an ISO for him is just uh, get the ball quick jab maybe one dribble and pull up and shoot over somebody and even if he maybe has lost half a step from his injury which it doesn't even look like that he's still always going to have that ability to shoot over people due to him just being so long and then him being so skilled as well like his shooting still looks as good as ever his handle looks phenomenal he still has that great ability to hit the pull-up three he's attacking the basket uh, fearlessly like he's doing everything that you'd want from uh, for the Nets out there and he's getting involved on the defensive side of the ball which was honestly my biggest worry for Kevin Durant was how big of a step he was going to take back on the defensive side of the ball because he was actually a very good defender with the Golden State Warriors but he still looks like uh, basically the same person on the defense side of the ball and that's a pretty solid uh, defender to have and then Kyrie Irving I mean when he's healthy he's just so talented on the offensive side of the ball I feel like he's honestly one of the more underrated shooters in the entire league because everybody knows he's a good shooter but I feel like people don't understand the magnitude of how good of a shooter he is like he's easily one of the best shooters we've had in the league as he's a consistent near 40 percent uh, three-point shooter throughout his entire career and then we all know his ability to handle the ball and create his own shot is so good but he's also uh, mixed it very well with having that handle and having that ability to create his own shot but being unselfish letting other guys work and then uh, Spencer Dinwiddie is taking a big step back as far as responsibility with scoring but he's doing everything else out there for him he's being a playmaker he's being more active on the defense side of the ball everybody's just buying into what the Brooklyn Nets want and it's working out so perfectly Joe Harris was always a perfect fit with these guys because he's a guy who just is willing to stand in the corner and he's such a phenomenal three-point shooter and then both the centers that they have are playing some really good basketball right now because they both don't have to do much. Their only job is to run the floor, set good screens, roll hard to the rim, and protect the basket. And both of those guys are doing that so effectively. And the pick and rolls between uh, the star players, even guys like Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis Silver with those big men's 
are just so effective and are killing teams consistently. And I love the role that Karis LeVert is playing coming off the bench for him. Uh, Steve Nash was talking about how he wanted Karis to play like a Manu Ginobili type of role for this team. And he's doing that very effectively to bring some really nice energy off the bench for this roster. And a good spark as a scorer. Because that was one of my bigger worries was how Karis LeVert was going to fit with these guys. Because I thought he had the most awkward fit. But with him coming off the bench and him uh, running the second unit a lot of the times where he's the main guy out there, I think that works perfectly for him and makes him the most effective. And then when he is out there with the star players, he can be more of a catch-and-shoot guy who can also get involved and help uh, with the playmaking. So I've been really impressed by how these guys are playing, and I've been really impressed with Steve Nash as a coach. Now, obviously, like the Warriors have not looked good at all. Uh, and that wasn't like a crazy win for them. But the win that they did have uh, on Christmas over the Celtics was a great one. It was a close game at halftime. And then the Nets just completely blew it out as Kevin Durant had a crazy third quarter where he could just not miss. He finished off with 29 points on excellent efficiency. Kyrie Irvin also killed the Celtics as well. I mean, 37 points, 7 of 10 from 3, got 8 assists as well. Like, it was just the same thing as the previous game where the offense looked very, very fluid. And the defense looked even better than it did last game. Uh, And then when the Celtics big men were in foul trouble, Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan were killing the Celtics on the board. Jared Allen got... Five offensive rebounds. DeAndre Jordan got two. So that was continually giving them extra possessions and giving those offensive studs uh, more opportunity to score the ball even uh, more. So they're just playing some of the best basketball out of anybody in the entire league. I'm so impressed with the Brooklyn Nets because this is a very good Boston Celtics team. They contain Jason Tatum well. Uh, Jalen Brown had a good game, but it really just didn't matter because the Brooklyn Nets are just playing some ridiculous basketball right now. And they're really looking like one of the best teams in the entire league. Like, if I'm any team, I'm completely terrified to play this game to play this team in a seven game series like even teams that I think are phenomenal uh like the Lakers this would be a team I'd be very very scared of because they just have so much top 10 uh, top end talent and then it's seeming to fit very well which was a lot of people's worry was how is it going to fit and we still need to see what happens we need to see these guys be healthy because that is definitely a concern that i still have that is far from out the window uh even though they've looked good it's always been more about them staying healthy like Kyrie irving has never had such an extreme injury where i'm worried about him being the same player it's more him just consistently being on the floor which hasn't happened too often throughout his career so i'm definitely still worried about that but you as a Brooklyn Nets fan you got to be so happy with what you've seen from these guys so far how fluid they've been on the offensive side of the ball uh just everybody buying into uh, what they're doing and then how well they've worked on defense as well because I honestly think with how good they are on offense and them having potential to be even better uh, with a potential trade or something Uh, In the nature of that, I think as long as they're an average to slightly above average defense, it's going to be really, really tough to uh, stop this team. And there's some good teams in this Eastern Conference. Like the Bucs have looked really good to start the season. I think the addition of Drew Holiday has been phenomenal for them. Uh, At this point, I'd probably take the Nets over them. And that may seem like an overreaction. But at this point in the season, you just got to really look at what you see and 
think if that can translate. And as long as these guys are healthy, I think that can translate how well they're playing right now. It's been really fun to watch them. Like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant just going back and forth, completely dominating is just just a pleasure to watch and it's a true show to see these two guys go back and forth and it's super exciting to see these guys healthy just playing some of the best basketball out of anybody got to give a ton of credit to how the nets have started off the season they have looked absolutely phenomenal now i want a team i want i want to talk about a team that hasn't looked so good at all to start the season. The team that lost to the Nets the first game and then lost to the Bucks on Christmas Day, the Golden State Warriors. Now, it's not necessarily an issue that they lost to the Nets and the Bucks because those are the two top teams in the Eastern Conference and have both looked very, very good to begin the season. The bigger issue is how they are losing these games. They are getting blown out. And just looking terrible these games. The help around Steph Curry has been playing very, very poorly. Uh, Andrew Wiggins is the same old guy who takes inefficient shots. And he's just not that good of a basketball player. Like, I've been pretty low on Andrew Wiggins and lower than most people have the past couple seasons. But I didn't even expect him to be this bad. Kelly Oubre, someone coming off a really good season for the Phoenix Suns, has looked terrible as well is really struggling with his three-point shot I started off 0 of 11 from three and I saw a stat where he miss has missed everything uh that's not a dunk attempt this season so any jump shot any layup he's just really really struggling uh, as a whole James Wiseman has definitely been a bright spot on this team so far as his jump shot is looking much better than uh, I've expected and then he's bringing the other things that you'd expect his ability to run the floor with how athletic he is and then occasionally get a post touch here and there and be able to get to the free throw line drop on defense to protect the rim but uh, the jump shot has definitely been the most impressive thing and then Steph Curry's been off to definitely a rough start to the season and honestly a lot of it isn't his fault like he's been getting heavily criticized but I also think people need to realize and people needed to lower their expectations coming into the season even though Steph Curry's an insane player and one of the 15th uh, best players we've ever seen, he's not the ideal player you want to just completely carry a bad roster. Like, if he has average to good help around him, he's one of the first guys that take in the lead. But if he has bad help around him, which it looks like he has for the past couple of games uh, with the way these guys are playing, then Steph Curry isn't the first guy I would take, especially with this system that the Golden State Warriors are running. Because Steve Kerr has to get some blame for this as well. He's running the exact same system he's ran for the past couple of seasons, but it's not nearly as effective when you're missing one of the three greatest shooters of all time in Klay Thompson. Like You need to make adjustments because it's not going to work if you keep running these off-ball sets for Steph Curry and you have these bad ball handlers who really aren't a threat from three handling the ball like when Steph Curry doesn't have the ball in his hands it's ugly or when he's on the bench especially it gets really really ugly because they just don't have many creators and their depth is pretty poor they're relying on guys like Kent Bazemore Damian Lee Jordan Poole Brad Wanamaker like these are not names you want to see getting big minutes and having to be relied on uh, but they are being relied on with the current state of this roster so I'm just really concerned with 
uh, what's going to happen with the Warriors this season. And you got to take in consideration that they are missing Draymond Green, a vocal leader for them, and a player who's been really, really important to the Warriors' success throughout their whole run. Uh, but it's still inexcusable how bad they are losing. Uh, Steve Kerr must change some things up quickly. Uh, they're going to need to try and uh, make moves to the roster. But another issue with this team is that they're hard capped. Like uh, Steph Curry's being paid a crazy amount of money. Clay's being paid a lot. Andrew Wiggins is being paid a max. Uh, Kelly Oubre is being paid a good amount of money as well. Like they really don't have much flexibility. And. Unless that uh, Minnesota fix really turns out into something, uh, this trade, the D'Angelo Russell trade, is looking worse and worse by the day. And honestly, it looks like they should have just kept him or they should have got a, tried to, to get at least a different package for him that could have helped them right now. Because I, I know they may be trying to go in more of a youth direction and trying to look forward. Uh, but getting Andrew Wiggins, who just really has looked so rough so far... Uh, is definitely not a good thing for them. And then, yeah, they need to change up that system badly. We need to see a lot more Steph Curry and James Wiseman pick and roll. Like, you can't, again, you can't run the same exact system with much worse and much different players as well. Or this is going to be the results. A uh, 39-point loss to the Bucks, where Steph Curry doesn't play good. Kelly Oubre is terrible again. Andrew Wiggins shoots 6 of 18. And James Wiseman is, again, the only player having a good game. Uh, with him shooting 3 of 4 from 3, he's been really impressive to start the season. But, yeah, there's just a big lack of spacing with guys like Eric Pascal as well. Like, Eric P Pascal's a good player who had a really good rookie season. But he isn't a floor spacer. Like, that just isn't what he does. But they're trying to play this team like they do have a bunch of floor spacers. Uh, and then they also don't look good on the defensive side of the ball either. They're leaving open shooters like Chris Middleton killed them in this one. Had 31 points on ridiculous efficiency. Giannis had the worst game he's probably going to have the entire season. And they still lost by 39. If Giannis has 15 points and is shooting less than 50% from the free throw line. Is shooting 28.6% from the field. You gotta at least make that game close, but they're just getting destroyed. They're getting railed every game, and honestly, I I'm losing confidence by them every single game. So they need to get on track quickly because in this shortened season where we're only playing 72 games and in a completely stacked Western Conference, you need to get off to a hot start, and that's the farthest thing they're. Uh, doing so yeah they gotta look better or they're gonna be in jeopardy of really missing out on a playoff spot because there's just so many good teams in this conference and I'm definitely worried for the Golden State Warriors uh, but this this shouldn't affect Steph Curry's legacy at all like so many people are talking about this being a big stain on Steph Curry's legacy and I, I pointed this out like I'd much rather have a ceiling raiser uh, with a guy who can raise my ceiling to a championship team than a floor raiser who can uh, get my team to a fifth seed and then lose in the first round. Like, that's the difference between Curry and Westbrook. If you're just taking a bad team, honestly, I'd rather have Russell Westbrook. But if I want to win a championship, I'm taking Stephen Curry every single day of the week. And honestly, I really don't care if he misses the playoffs this season as far as his legacy-wise. He's already cemented as a top 15 player of all time, for me at least. Uh, and I think he's so great that 
it doesn't make sense to be so critical of him because he's also like people act like his career just began in 2015 and he's always had this crazy help around him he's had years where he's led pretty average supporting cast to 50 plus win seasons like in 2014 when clay was only an 18 point per game score david lee was an 18 point per game score and like that's not bad help by any means but it's not this crazy help he still led those teams to 50-win seasons and put up some really good series, beat the Nuggets, and then put up a crazy fight against the Clippers where they almost pulled off an upset. Uh, Steph Curry is cemented, but this has just uh, looked like a rough year for him so far. Uh, they're not running the system well. They need to change some things up, and I just don't think that this team honestly has the talent at this point. They've looked pretty, pretty rough so far. Next team I want to talk about is the Los Angeles Clippers. They've been off to a pretty impressive start uh, to start the season so far, and I've liked a lot of the things that I've seen from them. Uh, I'm not saying by any means this is going to be the season where they actually get over the hump uh, and are a really good team, but uh, just with what I've seen in these first two games, uh, I really liked it. Paul George is off to a hot start in the season. Uh, in the season debut, he had 33 points on great efficiency, shooting over 70%. Hit the three ball at a good rate. Uh, was playing some good wing defense as well. Kawhi definitely struggled in their first game, but after that, had a pretty good uh, second game. And he is injured, uh, did have that face injury where he had to get stitches. Prayers up to him. Uh, he should be back. Uh, pretty soon I'd expect I'd expect him to be playing next game but that definitely was a scary uh, thing that happened we've seen the impact of Serge Ibaka immediately as I didn't even really like think of this like it's something that was in the back of my mind but I really didn't realize how impactful it would be for the Clippers to be able to play five out with Serge Ibaka standing at the three-point line that makes his team so much more effective because Kawhi is so strong and is so good at attacking the basket that with a a spacing center that will never get in his way uh it's really really going to help this roster quite a lot and we've already seen the impact of it and then he's much better on the defensive side of the ball than Montrez Harrell is because even if he isn't as good of a shot blocker as he is as the uh, average less blocks he's much a much better rim protector as he just does a good job of contesting well of throwing off people's shots uh and I really really am loving that pickup for him uh, and then you got Avika Zubak to come off the bench, just a solid backup center who rebounds the ball well, finishes at the basket, is a good rim protector, isn't a great defender in space, but is a nice guy to have off the bench, and I much prefer him coming off the bench. You got Luke Kennard, who can be a guy that is a secondary playmaker uh, and ball handler at times. He wasn't great in the first game, but actually played pretty well on Christmas Day. And you got Lou Will to be that explosive scorer, even though he can get exposed on the defensive side of the ball. And I got to give a ton of credit to Tyron Lou because he's a coach who I was still pretty unsure about because he had such good rosters and then was pretty much fired the second that LeBron left. So I was interested to see how good of a coach he could be. And at least uh, throughout these two games so far, he's been doing a phenomenal job of coaching this team. We've seen Paul George play a bit more of a, a playmaker, a bit more of a point guard role for them, which is definitely had some interesting results he had five turnovers in the first game with only three assists but he did have eight assists in the second game and I think that just gives him gets him more involved in the offense and gets him a continual 
uh, continuous rhythm, that definitely helps out his game a lot because he just uh, has the ball in his hands pretty frequently. He said he wanted to get the triangle offense involved a little bit, and we've seen that from time to time. Like It's not something they're ever going to run for a whole game, but we've just seen that occasionally. I think the rotations have been really good. I think they're staggering the minutes well between Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Uh I just got to give a ton of credit. Like they've been running some creative zones out there, just throwing it occasionally to throw teams off. Uh, he's been doing everything you'd want out of a coach, which is having good rotations, doing things to throw off the other team, and then putting your players in the best position to succeed. And then it's just up to your players. It's up to your superstars that are be paying, being paid max contracts like Kawhi Leonard, like Paul George, to go out there and play some good basketball. And they have so far this season, getting two impressive wins. Over the Lakers, who looks great in that Mavericks game, and uh, over the Nuggets as well, who uh, did end up losing to the Kings. But that was a crazy game where just so many wild things happened. The Nuggets are still a very good team, and they got a good win over them, where basically everyone uh, spread it out evenly. Paul George had a good game, was doing that playmaking I was talking about, still did have six turnovers. He's got to cut down on those if he wants to continue to play more of that point guard role, but... I do like to see that from him regardless. Serge Ibaka had another awesome game for them. Still doing the same impactful things I said uh, before. Nick Batum had a good game. And Kawhi had a good game before he went out with his injury. Uh, like I like just a lot of the things I'm seeing so far with the Clippers. Still don't know how confident I'd be in them in an in intense playoff series where they're really tested against a great team because we saw them collapse last season. Uh, but I think the roster is improved, and so far the coaching is improved. So if Paul George can have a good playoff run, this team could be dangerous this season. This team could be a team that we've all been sleeping on and that are going to outperform our expectations. So got to give a ton of credit to how they've been playing so far. Uh, and yeah, I really like what I've seen out of the Los Angeles Clippers. Last thing I want to talk about is the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh Got to give a ton of love to how they're playing so far. They did end up losing to the Boston Celtics in an absolute thriller of a game. This was such a wild game. Tatum hit that crazy buzzer beater. Giannis ended up missing the free throw. Like, I, this isn't a game you can really be mad about losing at all. Like, Tatum had a, an awesome game, was 30 points. Jalen Brown had 33. Jeff T came off the bench, hit all four of his threes, and scored 19 points. Uh, it was more of a game where Giannis was just playing some excellent basketball, but in the fourth quarter especially, people just really didn't step up for him. Like, he had a crazy fourth quarter, even though everyone's going to remember that missed free throw. He did have an insane fourth quarter where he scored, like, he scored a ton of points. He uh, overall had 35, hit three of his eight threes. He was definitely being dared to shoot threes by the Celtics' bigs. Uh, 13 rebounds as well, two blocks. Uh, Chris Middleton is off to a super hot start to the season. Uh, he had 27 in this one and then had the great game against the Warriors. And we're already immediately seeing the impact of Drew Holiday as just another guy on this team who can really create his own shot. And I think that's the difference for the Milwaukee Bucks compared to last season is getting a guy like Drew Holiday who can really create his own shot off the dribble 
Uh, he's probably the best uh, individual creator on this team. Uh, and then Chris Middleton has improved in that every single season. He's improved as a playmaker as well every season. Uh, he got eight assists in this one, and that's something that he's just quietly gotten better and better at. Hopefully we'll see leaps from guys like Dante DiVincenzo, who had a great game in this one. A super efficient 15 points. I uh, was playing good defense, as he always does as well. Uh, like I, I liked a lot of the things I've seen so far. Uh, out of the Milwaukee Bucks. Only thing I don't like is why is Pat Connaughton playing so much? Like Pat Connaughton is a player that for some reason the Bucks just love to play big, big minutes. And I completely don't understand it. He was in a very close game in 23 minutes. He was a negative 14. Like he was just bad out of there for him. He did shoot two or three from three. Uh, so it's not like he's just the worst player ever, but it really confuses me how much he uh, ends up playing for the Bucks, and especially in a big playoff series. I really hope they wouldn't play a guy like that as much. But again, have liked what I saw quite a lot from the Bucks. Seeing the impact of Drew Holiday as another shot creator on this roster, they still look uh, as good as ever on the defensive side of the ball, especially with Drew Holiday being able to uh, to guard guards better than almost anyone in the league. Uh, that was definitely such a massive pickup for them. And yeah, and they just dominated against the Warriors where uh, Giannis did have his worst game uh, probably of the entire season that he's going to have with him just sh shooting the ball incredibly inefficiently. Uh, he was awful in this game, but they were still able to win by 39 because other guys just stepped up. They spread it out very evenly. Uh, Chris Middleton had 31. Brooke Lopez only had 8. DiVincenzo, 13. Drew Holiday, 12. Bobby Portis came off the bench, scored double digits. So did DJ Augustine. Like, it was just a super well-rounded effort from these guys, and they were excellent on the defensive side of the ball, uh, holding the Warriors to only uh, 99 points. They were able to really expose the weaknesses of that roster by uh, double-teaming Curry a lot, which is uh, something we're going to see when basically any uh, team uh, plays the Warriors. But they did it super effectively. And then we're daring the guys who aren't great shooters uh, into bad shots. Uh, I still uh, am worried somewhat about the Bucks going into the playoffs uh, because of the coaching mostly, honestly. Because I feel like they fixed a lot of the issues personnel-wise on this roster. But I, I do still feel like Mike Boonehoser isn't really a playoff coach, and I feel like his track record in the playoffs uh, should show that plenty because uh, he's had some really disappointing playoff moments. Um, I think some of the schemes, like the drop cover defense that he does, works excellently in the regular season. It's so, so effective in the regular season. But a lot of times it does struggle in the playoffs. Uh, when you're daring guy like you can't dare a guy like Jimmy Butler into a mid-range when they're a killer in the mid-range and you can't be running these rotations where Pat Connaughton is playing key minutes but Giannis is only playing 35 you know, we're still going to need to see what happens in the uh, playoff time for the Bucks. they've they've consistently dominated in the regular season uh and they've consistently not had the opportunity to really close out tight games, which is why I like to. I actually really like to see that Celtics game, even though they did end up losing it. It was a back and forth war where uh, Giannis, other than missing the free throw again, did step up and dominate in the fourth quarter, trying to close out that game for them. So, like what I've seen from the Bucks so far, they've had some really really nice signs. Uh, in these first two games, even though they are only 1-1, one one, 
I'm expecting big things out of them this season, and hopefully they can just continue on the same track record. A player that I want to talk about who's really been standing out to me in his only one game that he did uh, play to this point so far is R.J. Barrett for the New York Knicks. Uh, They did end up losing this one by 14 to the Pacers, but I got to give a ton of credit to R.J. Barrett and the way he's been playing uh, as of late. He played really well in the preseason, even though he did have some moments where he's being made fun of for uh, airballing and just missing some threes very, very badly. Overall, he played phenomenally uh, in the preseason, and he looks like he's going to be on that same track going into this season. Uh, In their game against the Pacers, he ended up with 26 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, only 1 turnover as well, hit all 3 of his threes, shot almost 74% from the field. Like He played some... uh, flawless basketball uh in this game and i just really like to see the growth uh, that i've seen so far from rj barrett uh both in preseason and then in this game he looks stronger he's attacking the basket fearlessly and he's such a phenomenal slasher his handle looks uh tighter he's working well in the pick and roll uh being a playmaker as well which i think is, is a part of his game that he can really unlock uh into being uh, that upper echelon of player, if he can become a really good playmaker, uh, because he has, he shows off the vision sometimes. He has had issues with having tunnel vision here and there, but that didn't seem uh, seem to be an issue in this game at least. And he's just really seemed to take a step as far as maturity. Like he's becoming a a good basketball player in his second season. He had a pretty up and down first season where there were some awesome signs. He had some really great eyes, but he also had some really low lows where he was struggling very poorly and he's been put in some tough situations like I feel like people were way too overcritical of RJ Barrett and so many people were uh, basically already given up on him after his first season which is ridiculous because you have to consider this guy's thrives at attacking the basket he's been an inconsistent shooter all throughout his career like he was an inconsistent shooter in college who was best going downhill and getting to the basket getting to the free throw line Uh, And then he was put with some of the worst spacing I've ever seen. Like when you have Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, Alfred Payton out there, like the spacing around him was atrocious. And you're going to expect him to be an efficient player as a rookie when he's like the main option on the offensive side of the ball. And he doesn't have any spacing around him, even though he's a guy who thrives to attack the basket. Like, I just don't understand what people were expecting out of R.J. Barrett in his rookie season. But now, even with the circumstances still being pretty similar, like, I don't know why Alfred Payton is still starting and getting big minutes for them when he's such a bad shooter, but he is. Uh, R.J. Barrett's just fighting through it, and that, that does take a lot of poise. It takes a lot of maturity in a big market like New York when you're playing really bad circumstances and you're being heavily criticized by basically everyone to to just continue f- fighting co- and play some good basketball and really work hard on the offseason to improve your game uh, and get around those issues that are within your roster. Uh, he's really nice out of RJ Barrett, and I love what I've seen from him. I think he's in for a breakout second year. Like, if he could just average an efficient uh, he doesn't even have to average a crazy amount. If he can average an efficient 16, 5, and 5, I'd be super happy with that. And I honestly think he can do better than that. I think he can average a pretty efficient 18, 6, and 6. Like, I think he has a lot of potential on both sides of the ball. 
And I hope he continues to show these signs, these flashes. The Knicks aren't going to be a good team. But if we can see growth out of their young guys and then a good season out of Ovi Toppin, honestly, I think that'd be a success for them uh, more than anything that'll show on the win column. Uh, and that's what you got to take with rebuilding teams like this. You just got to take the signs. You got to take your young uh, players playing well, and you got to run with that. Uh, even if things aren't looking super great for your team, it's got to be happy with uh, the positives and then uh, try to address the negatives in the offseason. So, yeah. Like what I've seen from RJ Barrett, he's shown me some really, really good things so far. Next player I want to talk about is Ja Morant. Scheduled to play again tonight uh, against the Atlanta Hawks. I'm expecting another big game from him. But in his first game of the season, he completely went off with a 44.9 assist game for him. Was in a very uh, frustrating loss for them as no one else really gave him the help he needed. Like Jonas Valanciunas and Dylan Brooks both had good games, but they're dealing with some injuries. They're missing one of their best players in Jaron Jackson Jr. So it's definitely going to be uh, a lot on John Morant's plate this season. And I think he's ready to step up for that because... Uh, if you know me, I've spoken very highly on John Morant coming into this year two season. I just think with the circumstances with Jaron, uh, with Jaron's injury, and then with just how much potential I think you could have with him having more op uh, opportunity and responsibility now, I just always thought he was in for an amazing season. Uh, and I think this is the start for it. This is the perfect way for him to start off a crazy second year. Is getting that uh, confidence. Uh, and just having that hunger to uh, win these games because it's going to be hard for him every single game. There's going to be a lot of defensive uh, attention on him, and he's going to have uh, some subpar help. So it's just going to have him step up to the plate and play games like this where he's scoring 44 points on 67% of the field, 50% from three. He's definitely looks stronger, is taking uh, contact better and getting to the free throw line more, which is just always something that uh, allows you to – uh, make your offensive game just much more efficient uh, and easier for you. Playmaking looks as good as ever. Vision still uh, is great. That's something that obviously stood out in uh, his rookie season where he had so many highlight plays with him just throwing dimes. His handle looks even tighter, looks better. Uh, he's working in the pick and roll so well. And he's got guys around him that can really help him in the pick and roll. Guys like Brandon Clark, uh, Jonas Valanciunas. He has a shooter so he can kick to and guys like Grayson Allen uh, and Dylan Brooks. And then once once Jaron uh, Jackson Jr. is back, him and Ja Morant are going to make a scary duo. Because I think Jaw's in for an all-star season this season. And if you know me, Jaron Jackson Jr. is one of my favorite players in the league. I think he's already phenomenal, and I think he has ridiculous potential. So these two growing uh, as a young duo, I think could be really, really special in this Western Conference for years and years to come. Uh, the, the Grizzlies have just done such a phenomenal job of building uh, – out of a pretty bad situation where they had older players who really didn't have a crazy amount of trade value and they seemed stuck uh, being an eighth seed. Like they got lucky with that second pick uh, and then they made the right pick, developed John Morant perfectly, put the perfect pieces around him. Uh, Jaron was an awesome pick getting him at number four. They made another great pick in this draft getting Desmond Bain. Uh, they made the trade 
uh, with Marcus Gasol getting Jonas Valanciunas, who is now a better player than Marcus Gasol already, and is a really uh, nice fit on this roster for now. He's been uh, playing some really good basketball. Brandon Clark was a steal. D'Anthony Melton was a really good trade for them to make, as he's a really good defender uh, and has been an important rotational piece for them. Uh, they developed Dylan Brooks very well, and he uh, was really solid last year. I'm expecting another good season out of him. I just love everything that I've seen from the Grizzlies, and I it all starts with John Morant, who looks like he's ready to take over as the leader and the star of this franchise. I think he's in for a crazy second season. Uh, and then, especially again, with Jaron out, I'm expecting big numbers from him, like uh, he's going to put himself in that upper echelon of being in the Trey Young, uh, Jamal Murray, uh, better than like the Aaron Fox type of category. I, I'm expecting that big of stuff out of John Moran. I think he's coming. I think he's coming for uh, people's next, and he's going to be insane this season. I'm so excited to continue to watch him just go off, uh, and this was a really good start for him. 44 points, crazy efficient uh, efficiency in a game where uh, they lost by 12 points. He was a plus 10, uh, and he was actually the only person with a positive plus minus uh, on the entire team. I just think that shows how damn good uh, Jaw was in this game and how good he's going to be this entire season. I'm really, really excited uh, for John Morant in his second year. Next players I want to talk about is Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. Uh, they're both off to a hot, hot start to the season. Uh, the Pelicans are 2-2. Two and two. They did have a pretty bad loss to the Miami Heat on Christmas Day uh, where they got just blown out because they were not defending the three ball well at all. Duncan Robinson was killing them that game. But they did have an, a very impressive uh, first game where they were able to pick up a win over a very good Raptors team. Uh, and it was mostly due to the performance of guys uh, like Zion Williamson, and especially Brandon Ingram in this game. Brandon Ingram played phenomenal and is really looking after his most improved season to be even better. He's definitely taking a step on the defensive side of the ball, which is the thing that I was most critical of Brandon Ingram about and is why I would take a lot of these young wings over him is that they were better on the defensive side of the ball. But if he can continue to be good on the defense side of the ball and put together the full package, it's going to be scary because he's already so good on offense and his three point shot. It's just been crazy to see the development of him as a three point shooter. Like he's gone from a pretty bad three point shooter to an elite one who can hit tough threes off the dribble and be an elite catch and shoot three point shooter as well. He still has that killer mid range game where, with his crazy length that he has, he can just shoot over people with ease. And his playmaking has taken a step, which is something that I always liked out of Brandon Ingram is, is that he's always had the ability to be a point forward type of player and has always had pretty good vision. Like the Lakers even at one point were starting him at point guard uh, and he was actually playing some really good basketball. I remember that season. It was uh, really interesting when Lonzo got injured and he was the main facilitator on this roster. Uh, and he showed that vision in this game, having 11 assists nine rebounds as well like he had a complete game basically a basically a 24 point triple double on good defense as well as Ion was good in this game putting up 15 points on crazy efficient efficiency basically 78 percent pulled down 10 rebounds as well four of those being offensive 
uh, three assists. Lonzo was great in this game, and I really like the role that Lonzo's playing on this uh, new roster where he's playing more of an off-ball role and he's playing more like a wing, but in transition, he's still the main playmaker because due to his uh, lack of great ball handling and then lack of ability to attack the basket, his playmaking is definitely limited in the half court, but we all know his uh, uh, playmaking ability is so elite in the full court where he can throw these just crazy dimes that basically no one else can in the league. Like He's one of the best uh, transition uh, playmakers in the entire league, but it gets limited a lot in the half court. So now in the half court, he's playing more of an off-ball role where he's playing more as a catch-and-shoot shooter. And he's a really, really good catch-and-shoot shooter who has improved his uh, form very, very clearly. Like His form uh, got much better last season, but it's even better now. He shot four of eight from three in this one, had a rough second game, but that's just what's going to happen with literally any player. And we all know his ability on the defensive side of the ball is so good as well. He's just really, really active, and he's one of the better defenders on a roster who uh, definitely struggles on defense. Even got to the free throw line much more than he usually does in this one, getting to the line six times, which is where he still needs to take a step back. He still needs to be able to take contact better, finish at the basket, get to the free throw line more, because that's the trait of all uh, really good offensive players is the ability to get to the free throw line and just generate easy points there. And that just always is so good to help out your efficiency. So he definitely needs to take a step there. Um, but I do like uh, what I've seen from him taking a step in other parts of his game. Uh, and if he can continue to get to the free throw line well, can continue to finish at the basket well, then he could be a really, really special player in this league. And this is a big season for Lonzo Ball. It's it's a big season to prove himself considering that he didn't get the contract extension from the Pelicans. And he's going to be up as a restricted or or even an unrestricted free agent uh, in next offseason. So he's he's got to really prove himself. And uh, I did like the signs I saw in the first game. Didn't play great at all in the second game. Uh, did get six assists, but three-point shot was struggling. He's usually a better three-point shooter than two of eight, so I'm not going to be super critical. I uh, still did like what I saw from Brandon Ingram and Zion, though a ton. Brandon Ingram had another great game, 28 points on really good efficiency. Got to the line 11 times. Always love to see that. Uh, and then Zion was awesome this game, 32 points, got to the line 15 times, which is just great as well. Got 14 rebounds as well. Like, he played some amazing basketball in this one. Uh, and Zion is just going to have such a crazy year this year. It's When he's on the court, it's, it's just such a cheat code, him being as athletic as he is, but him still being so heavy and so strong. Like, those things can be worrying for his knees in the future, but when he's on the court, he's just such a force going to the basket, and it's really difficult to guard him, because even if you give him space, like, he can still blow by you, and he's going to get to the free throw line quite a lot, which I expect him to, I expect him to average, like, eight free throw attempts per game, and he's definitely improved as a free throw shooter, still is something that I would like to see him take a step in, he still really can't shoot the ball from outside, which I never expect him to be a great shooter in his career uh, if he can even just get to average at some point in his career honestly I think that'd be a W uh, and the biggest thing I need to see him take a leap on is definitely the defensive side of the ball he still uh, lacks the awareness to really be a good good defender yet like he has those highlight plays where he's getting up to get a block uh, and stuff like that but he just isn't a good well-rounded defender yet uh, he just 
is still needs more time in the NBA and just needs to understand things more on that side of the ball. But I think once that does come, he because he shows the effort on that side of the ball, which at this point is more important than anything. Because as a number one overall pick where you're already scoring like 24 points a game, you're dominating so early, it could be easy for him to just show a lack of effort on the defense side of the ball. But he's still showing that effort. It's just more of an understanding thing with him. So once he can unlock that, uh, him and Brandon Ingram are going to make a really, really special duo down here in New Orleans. They're going to be playing some incredible basketball. I think they'll definitely make a playoff push this season, even if they just get into the play-in tournament. Uh, that'd still be good for them. And they're going to be a team that I don't think anyone's going to want to face because they just have so much potential to be crazy any night with uh, the crazy pace that they play with and then just how much talent they have in this roster. Just looking at those top two guys alone and then they have a lot of other talented guys uh, on this roster. So like some of the stuff I've seen from the Pelicans, especially out of Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson, who are both looking to have crazy seasons, I expect them to both be firmly in contention to be an all-star in the Western Conference. Uh, and yeah, it's been fun uh, to see them so far. I hope you enjoyed the episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. Uh, it was one of the shortest ones in a while, but really just didn't have much to talk about. We're early in the season. I really don't want to overreact too much. Uh, but yeah, it's been Michael, and peace out.